Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. The Lord speaks to his disciples and to all that have ears to hear. He says, Don't judge so that you won't be judged. For with the judgment that you pronounce, you will be judged. And the measure you give will be the measure you get. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before swine, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. Ask, and it will be given you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives, and he who seeks, finds, and to him who knocks, it will be opened. What man of you, if his son asks him for a loaf of bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? So whatever you wish that men would do to you, do so to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorns or figs from thistles. So every sound tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears evil fruit. A sound tree cannot bear evil fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will know them by their fruits. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name 
and do mighty works in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you evil doers. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house upon the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And every one who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house upon the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house. And it fell, and great was the fall of it. And when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching. For he taught them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. Praise the Lord. The word here has been divided, this chapter, into different sections. The Lord begins by talking about how we see other people and how we see ourselves. And the Lord cautions us to be careful not to assess, criticize, or value other people based upon faulty perception. Especially when we ourselves are not right before God. God is the God of righteousness and expects his people to be just like him. And so he teaches us what is acceptable with him and what is not acceptable. And he says the same way that you pronounce judgment on others, it will come back to you to judge you. So if you're not sure that the same judgment that you utter upon other people won't apply to you, then don't judge. But if you are clear, then you can properly assess that this is good and this is evil, and I am on the side of good because of the way I live, the things I do, the way I speak. It's pleasing to God, and therefore I can actually help somebody. But if I'm not, the Lord warns us, not just that you shouldn't criticize without fairness, but there is a judgment that will come back to you. God is a God of judgment also. So every word we speak and everything we think about other people, it's good to restrain ourselves and first say, Lord, am I right in this area before you? And if I'm not certain or if I can't say that I am, it's better to hold our tongues and say, Lord, make me right. Because of what I've seen in someone else, I have an opportunity to see myself in the mirror. And the Lord says, before you can help others or love your neighbor, you need to love yourself. And the way we are called to love ourselves is to make sure we're right before God. And then he says in the next section, verse 6, Don't give 
dogs what is holy. People that are vile, people that are not honest, they don't really love the Lord, they don't want to hear the word, they're actually hostile to it. God says don't keep trying to give the word to them because they will use that against you and attack you. Don't take that which God has given you that is sacred and try to give it to people in the world. People who don't know God and they don't love God. What God has given every believer is a sacred trust and a precious commodity that we have to hold dear. The truth is a precious commodity. More precious than the finest gold. And the Lord says, buy the truth. Spend all you have to purchase the truth. We purchase a lot of things. God wants to know, have you been purchasing the truth? What do you have to pay for the truth? A broken and contrite heart. A heart that is actually broken and open to receive the truth from God. Because a closed heart cannot receive the truth. But if I understand that the truth is that precious, then I need to guard it and not just disseminate it and give it to anyone and everyone anytime I feel like. But understand this is the word of God, this is a sacred trust. And I need to be certain that God has shown me that this person is worthy of the truth. Jesus says, there are people who are worthy and those who are not worthy. And the Holy Spirit gives us the understanding from His Word that we need to take that seed and whatever gift God has given us and not just indiscriminately give it to whoever and wherever we feel like. Hold it. And make sure you don't give it to especially people who are hostile to God because they can turn and attack you. Now God has called us to go into this world that is full of darkness and it is a hostile world. But the Holy Spirit, if we are able to hear, we have ears to hear, will show us exactly who is going to be worthy to receive among the crowd. Because there will be people who will turn as they hear the word. They're worthy of eternal life. The very phrase is given by Jesus. Worthy of eternal life. And then the Lord says this beautiful promise, beautiful, powerful promise that even if we have not experienced answers to our prayers, we can never charge God for being unfaithful to His promise. Because God has spoken this. He has said, ask. Jesus said, ask and it shall be given to you. He said, seek, you will find. Knock, the door will be open to you. In other words, the blessings of heaven that God has for us, God says it will come to rest on your life. Without fail, God gave this with no conditions attached here, except to do what He says. 
So even when we don't feel like it or the devil has come to us and tried to discourage us that you've been asking so long, it hasn't happened, we need to remember. But the Lord said, the Lord said, ask and it will be given to you. You seek and you will find, hallelujah. Knock and it will be opened to you. God wants us to just believe like a little child. Now we know from the rest of the word of God, there are conditions not only to do this asking and seeking and knocking, but we need to come to God with a sincere heart that whatever we're asking for, we won't grab the blessing and then run off and do what we want to do outside of God's will. But a sincere heart will say, Lord, if you give this to me, I promise that I will always value the blesser more than the blessing that's come into my hands. Many people have been graciously blessed by God, but they've taken what God has given and they've run back to the crowd and they have used that in a manner that's not pleasing to God and even forgotten who had given that blessing to them. But when we have this before us, we will be sober enough to remember I was nothing until he found me. Hallelujah. Everything I have is from his gracious hands. And it is a sacred trust. Not only will I not give it to dogs, and dogs speak of a vile creature in the scriptures, as well as Gentiles because they did not keep the prescription of being separate from that which is filthy. So there's a connection there. We used to be in that crowd. All we thought was filthy. Even if we can say, you know, it wasn't as bad as that person, or bad as some other thing I could have done or thought, but it's still filthy. Because only God is holy. And when he brings us into his family, he transforms us from the inside out. Therefore, we have a very definite sense of what is filthy and what is holy. And when he calls us a holy nation, he calls us to value whatever he's given and hold it in a sacred way and be careful what we do with it. With the judgment, he says, make sure you do it right by me. Otherwise, the same judgment will come back to you. If I'm predisposed to finding people who are irritating to me, I'm easily able to pick up when I get irritated and by who and through what means. I must ask myself in the presence of Almighty God, Oh Lord, am I a person who causes irritation to other people? And that log must be taken away before I can help the other person with words of love and repentance. And whatever I need from the Lord, God promises to give. If I have faith, if I do it His way, which includes clean hands and a pure heart. What is a clean hand? It's a hand or hands 
that are not given to greediness. Hands that are grabbing money and after money and things. Hands that are after self-gain. Those unclean hands. Those hands cannot give to God. God won't take it. Hands that are given to violence. In Isaiah 58 it talks about striking. Violence. And the violence doesn't have to be physical. The violence starts with a spirit of anger and a spirit of vengeance and a spirit of ill will to other people and towards other people. Those things must not be in these hands. The hands speak of life. Because the hands signify what I do. So what I touch and what I give, what I receive, speaks of my heart. And the hands have to be clean before the Almighty God. Hands that are deceitful. The phrase sleight of hand means that something shady, something not right, something covered up, something hidden. All of these things characterize the world. God says you have been called out of that. Let there be no bit of deceitfulness in you. Backtrack, retrace your steps. Even if it takes all night and say, Lord, did I do this? Have I uttered something, Lord, that is displeasing to you? That's a true Christian. A person who has conviction. A person who knows that I'm before God 24-7. They used to have to go to the temple to be near God. But when the Spirit of God came in Acts chapter 2, since that time, we've been carrying the presence of God. Amen? Those who are walking with God have been housing God within their bodies, the very bodies. So you can't escape from God. If Jonah couldn't escape, how much more we, ourselves? Because the Spirit is within us, if He's in us. And if the Holy Spirit is within us, we're ever conscious of what we say and what we do, and we have to say, Lord, do I have clean hands before you? I want to have that. Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or who shall stand in his holy place? Who shall abide in the tabernacle of the Lord? Who shall dwell in his holy hill? The one that has clean hands and a pure heart, the one that walks uprightly. What does it mean to be upright? It means not bent over or crooked. The word upright means a person that is standing tall with no impediment to their movement. But a person who is bent or crooked, they have an impediment. The Lord says, morally you should be clean and upright because that's the only way God will hear our prayers. And then it says, not only the one that walks uprightly, those are the people who get to live with God, those are the people who God will live with, but also the one that works righteousness, again, talks about the hands. We work with our hands. Everything we do is predominantly with our hands. So the hands speak of our lives. How do your hands look? Are they clean? Are they, or are they leprous? Like Gehazi's hands. There's a division. Lord, sometimes I want you and sometimes I don't. 
Well, if we don't want the Lord, that means we are wanting evil. We need to be clearly set apart for God. The one who walks uprightly, morally upright, the one who works righteously, only righteous things comes from these hands. We should be able to testify, Lord, I used to be dirty. My hands used to be dirty. I used to steal, maybe. I used to have this sleight of hand, deceitfulness in my speech, in my actions. You can never get a straight answer out of some people. But when they came to the Lord, it all became clear. What you see is what you get. And what you get is good. Clean hands. Working righteousness. And the one that speaks truth in his heart. That means the thoughts that come sometimes a hundred miles an hour from Satan, these missiles from hell, to make us deviate, to make us falsely judge, to make us think that, you know what, I think I can speak to this person and give them the word or correct this person. God says, wait a minute. What is the conversation within you? A human being made up of spirit, soul, and body is able to have a conversation with himself or herself. David said, Oh soul, why are you troubled within you? What's wrong? He's not out of his mind. He's within his mind. Because he's talking to his own person. There's an ability of a human being, because we're made in the image of God, to be able to consider and judge and assess where we can actually, if we take time and if we care to, step back and evaluate ourselves. We don't need others to do that if we would do it ourselves. But the people that are able to ask, and God will give, when they seek, seek, seek after God, Lord, I'm looking for the way, I'm looking for the answer in this particular situation. Who will God answer? Who will He give what they're looking for? Who will he open the door for? The one who walks uprightly, who works righteousness. The hands are gentle. The hands communicate love. The hands are industrious. They're not lazy. There's a profit factor in the hands, not for themselves, but for the kingdom of God. In other words, Lord, the hands you've given me, I want it to be prosperous for your kingdom. For you, Lord, I'm all for you. And the one who speaks the truth inside the heart. The Lord says, out of the abundance of the heart, my syllables come out, the words. Our conversations, if we put them on a graph for any given day, if we take it to God's laboratory and inspect from the time we woke up to the time we close our eyes to go to sleep, what would be the graph for the words? How much of the words are actually from the Lord and how much of it is carnal and not from God? God wants us to be completely yielded to Him. So in the heart is where the words start from. And also, it's written that the evil things that a person does, don't they start in the heart? The Lord says in the book of Mark that it's out of the heart. You can wash your hands externally and today you can put creams and you can do all kinds of things to make it look very smooth, beautiful hands and manicure and 
perfume and it can be lovely hands in the eyes of people who don't know God. But you know, the people who know God, even if they see hands full of carpenter's sawdust or a plumber's grease or a person in the field and they have all these grains and a person who has hands that are bruised and the world will say, that's not the type of hand I want. And hands that are aged, just like the feet, as the Lord says in Isaiah, they'll be the most beautiful hands in the sight of heaven. What kind of hands do you want? We should want the hands that God says, these are lovely hands. These are beautiful hands. Because they have nothing to do with darkness. They do not reach forth and grab what is evil. They don't reach forth their hands, it says in Psalm 126, unto iniquity. They don't touch it. A person who's conscious, or conscientious, I should say, of their diet, they have a goal. And especially if they're an athlete, they're very meticulous in what goes into the body, even if everybody's having something, even if all the other athletes have it. The one that is actually 100% set on that gold medal, well, no, I have to do better than this. I have to be different. They're not my standard. My standard is the golden standard. God's word. And so God gives us the capacity. Now, if we look at all these things and we isolate these factors and we start scrutinizing them, we may think, well, this is a lot of work to do. Again, when I hear the message, it seems that I just can't do all of it. That's why we need broken and a contrite spirit every time we hear the word. If we humble ourselves and we tremble before God's word, God will cause the Holy Spirit to anoint that word. And you know what? Every part of Matthew 7 can actually become living in you and in me. Where I will be, in the combination of the chapter, the Lord says, that wise person that built the house on the rock because... Every word that I've heard, there is not doubt involved or looking back at my past, I can't do this, or looking at my present situation, but you don't know who I'm living with or who I'm working with. This is all right for some community somewhere separate from the world, but I'm in the midst of dogs, I'm in the midst of swine, and I'm trying to keep my head above the water to walk this Christian walk. That's the person who's full of doubts. A person who doesn't even know the power of Almighty God. All we do is come to God like a child and say, Lord, you have spoken these words. The law came by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. This is part of the grace and truth. The sooner we say, Lord, I want to be like you. Lord, I don't want to judge wrong anymore. Lord, the words that I utter, oh God, I can't go back and take it back. Do you realize that? People say, and they caution, even teachers and professors, sometimes about social media, they say, once you post it, even if you try to retract it and you do, somehow it's there, just like on the computers, when the FBI comes and takes those computers, what happens? We all know, 
they can press all the delete and get the software to, they have a way of bringing it out. There's an image that's indelibly printed on that hard drive. And people have a way to extract that even when the other party thinks that it's all gone, it's history. So it is with God. How much more with God? He has a recording that no one can touch. Not only can they not erase it, no one can go near it. It's in heaven. Now if we want that record to be clean and expunged of everything that we've done that is wrong in the sight of God, we've got to fall on our faces and say, Lord, it's so terrible what I've done, what I've said. What does God say to do? I don't have the capacity to erase it. But I can come and say, Lord, I know you died on the cross to wash this away so I don't have to be haunted with this guilt from Satan who's coming to harass me or when I fail in some area, Lord, the whole thing comes back. When I go to God and I believe like a child and, and understand the conditions are you've got to live right. If you don't live right, you don't mean to live right, don't come to me, God says. But the moment we understand this is the Holy God, He expects me to receive forgiveness so I can use it to do the right thing now. All that I've done wrong. You know how people are haunted day and night? Especially some Christians. Because the devil will bring it as if it was yesterday and even through the dreams. The person will feel so foul that they have this division like a Jekyll and Hyde, you know, sometimes I'm nice and sometimes I have this monster within me that wants to do the wrong thing. That's the spirit and the flesh. The Lord says in the book of Proverbs, the just man is an abomination to the unjust man and the unjust man is an abomination to the just man. Proverbs 28. Think about those words. When the Spirit of God is within a human being, all that which is from the devil manifesting through people will become utterly revolting and disgusting and hateful to them. The word abomination is a strong word. Some translations may have it incorrectly saying that they just uh, kind of don't get along. But actually it means something that is, oh, I hate it, it's disgusting to me. That's what the Hebrew word means. So has sin become disgusting to you? Where you feel like throwing up if somebody shows you an image? And you start justifying yourself, well, it's not as bad as I thought. But is it good or is it evil? What is it trying to promote? Flaunting oneself? Or is it a humble image? Giving glory to God. You see these things? They mean and they matter to God. Because they all reflect what's going on on the inside. So if I want my prayers answered, I want God to clear the heavens. In Deuteronomy 28 and 29, we have the blessings and curses. And one of the phrases which has been borrowed by literature is this. The heavens are as bronze or brass. I can't get through. I'm trying to see God. I'm trying to pray and knock, but it's just not happening to me. I don't understand this Christian stuff. It doesn't work. God says the reason is because you're doing abominable things, things I don't like. So the heavens have become brass. You can't get through. But the moment I say, God, I'm wrong, you're right. I'm wrong, you're right. And I say, Lord, I don't want to be wrong anymore. 
God doesn't say go back to school. Go back and serve for 17 years so you can do the time for the crime. Oh, thank God Almighty. Even if we spend a million years, we can't expunge that record. But one stroke on the cross that felled the Son of God who is crucified, that blood is able to, in an, in an instant, take away all my sins. Hallelujah. But now I've got to live spot-free, wrinkle-free, blemish-free. I've got to live that way. Because if I've come to the cross and I've received the Lord Jesus, God says, I will live in you. So when you go to school, when you go to work, when you go shopping, I'm actually not just going alongside with you. I'm in your body. This natural body is able to house the Spirit of God. It's, a, it's so grand that we can't comprehend it fully. Right now, the Spirit of God is within this human frame right here. And so He's with each of you who trust God. Now, how do you carry the Holy Spirit with you? Can you take Him to look at things that you ought not to? The Bible says that He will leave. He can't live where there's uncleanness. In the law, God said this, that make sure that you don't have any uncleanness in the camp because I'm walking there. I don't want to see things that are unclean. And you know what he's saying? He's connecting. He's talking about physical things. Physical things like refuse from animals and human beings. He said there's a, there's a standard. Don't keep dirt around and, and, and filth. Because remember, I'm walking in the camp. How God gives us a picture in the Old Testament that He's so near and that He's very, very clear on when His presence is somewhere, evil can't be there. Now, you look in the New Testament. His Holy Spirit is living within you and me. How should I carry myself? So be careful, little eyes, what you see. The Father up above is looking down below. Looking down in love, so be careful, little eyes, what you see. The, the Spirit of God will continue to work. We grow in stages. As I was driving here, the Lord is bringing these thoughts that sometimes we don't know what's right because we can't hear. Sometimes we don't know what's right because we are distracted with our own thoughts. Sometimes we don't know what God is speaking because there's a there's a block in the hearing. We just can't hear. But when the Word is given, the Spirit of God is present, it has a way of penetrating through that denseness that Satan has put on. And then, when we choose to put down the distractions, and we say, Lord, I despise myself. I repent in dust and ashes, like Job said. Because I said this and I did that. That's when you know the Holy Spirit is working. And you know what God wants? God is never about, I just want you out of the filth. I just want, we, we may feel like that. You know, Lord, I don't want to be associated with this stuff anymore. The attitudes and the ingratitude and the flaunting of myself and the proud talk about me, myself, and what I've done and putting other people down and that whole satanic culture. I don't want any part of it because I know that's going to lead to hell. Wide is the gate that leads to destruction in the the Bible says many people go that way. They live a life like that. They're in death. But Lord, I've noticed that you said the way to life is very narrow. It's hard. It's hard because all hell will come against me. 
But when I have set on following Jesus, hell will not prevail against me. I will be founded on the rock. I will come up on top. Hallelujah. God has promised that. So it's up to us to gauge, am I distracting myself? Just like I said about we can have a conversation with ourselves, which is very important. That's what the devil doesn't want. He wants people to be distracted with things and other people's words and, and what I think concerning the world. And It's always a, look at me, look at them, and am I accepted by them? And how do they feel about me? We need to say, I'm done with that. I'm only concerned with how God sees me right now. Lord, what do you see? And take time to listen. Take time to listen. Sometimes when you're driving, when you're by yourself at home, you can actually stop and say, Father, show me my heart. Have we ever prayed such a prayer? That's where it starts. Lord, would you show me what's going on inside of me? Not only when things are confusing, when I'm up against a mountain or being harassed in some situation, but when everything seems to be going fine and smooth and God has turned things in my favor. Hallelujah. Ah, that's the time when David went into the temple. He had a habit of going to the temple. Why? He sat down, this king, he was a mighty warrior, even when Saul was looking for somebody to play the harp because the evil spirits were tormenting him day and night and he was a mess. Because he became self-centered and God sent evil spirits. Because why? Not because God is bad, because he wanted evil spirits. He spoke Satan's language about pride and me, myself and I, and look what I've done. And he began to oppress the people too. God wasn't going to put up with that. He said, I put you in charge of my people so you can represent me. Not represent Satan, the adversary. And God began to cut him down. And one of the ways was he sent evil spirits to him. So day and night, the man, no medicine can help, nothing. But his servants perceived, we need somebody, not just any musician. We need somebody who's got the anointing. And they said, we have seen the son of Jesse. We saw this man. And he was a young man. He wasn't even an older man or even a 30 years old yet. He's a young man. He's a youth. But they said, he's a man who has the wisdom of God, the Spirit of God. Sure enough, when David came on the scene, with his harp, he came and stepped in, and guess who came with David? The living God. Satan, all the spirits that were in Saul, they said, we got to get out of here, because God has shown up with this young man. He just played. When he played, the spirits left, and Saul got relief. We need to make sure we don't act like Saul. We don't get distracted with ourselves and what people think. Oh, there's a damaging conversation. There's a jitteriness. There's an uneasiness. And you know what people do a lot of times? They spout out or splurt out, I should say, jokes, anecdotes, the weather, current events, sports, little giggles here and there. And all of this is a cover-up, really. You actually didn't have the kind of behavior we have in our contemporary society about 150, 200 years ago, people have become ingrained into entertaining themselves and others, and they think, if I'm not entertained, I'm not living. Thousands of years, people are not entertained like that, carnally. They're really living. 
They were content to be sober, be thankful, full of joy, and speaking carefully. People of God, I want to encourage you. There's another side of life, quote-unquote, the Christian life. You know what that life is? A life just like the prophets lived, just like the apostles lived, just like the Lord Jesus lived. It's a life where it's not so much about I have to measure my words so that I don't hurt people or I don't get uh, repercussions on me. That's not the highest level at all. There's another way. That way is I enjoy being righteous. Hallelujah. I enjoy the presence of God. I enjoy pleasing the Lord. It's not a defense mechanism that I don't want to get caught. I don't want to fall into this trap. And uh, I think I, I, need a, I need a better life where the internal dialogue gives me peace. No, it's about now delighting in His law, delighting in God. And you know what? You'll stand out among the crowd. Because through you, God would have found a person who walks uprightly, works righteousness, and speaks the truth in their hearts. That's a perfect life. You can take a person, take away their education, take away all their degrees and all their years of learning, take away their physical abilities, take away their talents, take away their friends, take away their family, take away everything. Most people and a good portion of the Christian crowd will say, I'm done. Life is no good. There's another life where when you really get close to the Lord, oh, it's such a delight. You don't want to leave His presence. I'd rather have Jesus than silver and gold. I'd rather have Him than riches untold. I'd rather have Jesus. And you know what? This happy, fulfilling life will be because, as the psalmist said, anyone can have it. doesn't matter how old, what your station in life. Anyone can have it, but who wants it? That's the question. Who has faith that, Lord, I can't feel that joy, that there's this discrepancy, Lord. I, I feel like this is the right thing to do, but it's not connecting with me. I'm not experiencing that real love for you, walking closely with you. The person who says, like the psalmist, Lord, in heaven, whom have I? Lord, who do I have in heaven but you? In other words, even in heaven with an innumerable company of angels, maybe billions, billions. In Isaiah 6, the angel was in midair. These angels, and you know what? They had these wings, six wings and two were covering their faces. Two, they're flying and two cover their feet. They were right next to God right around his throne. They were trembling. And those particular angels were actually full of fire. The seraph actually means fiery, like a serpent, fiery serpent, but they were angels. There was power coming out of them. It was holy. It was awesome. That's the same God that lives within you and me. And if I understand that and I see why God took Moses to the side and said, come up to the mountain, nobody but you. Anyone who comes near it is going to be killed. You alone come up. 
Why did he speak to him like friend with friend, face to face? Why did he call Abraham his friend? Why did he say, David, a man after my own heart? Why did he say, Daniel, is anybody else like him with the wisdom, spirit of the gods, Joseph? Why not you? Why not you? Why not you? Do you want it? Do you want to love God and feel his presence and say, Lord, it's not just talk anymore. It's not just theory. I really love you. Oh, God, take away everything. Oh, take the whole, whole world but give me Jesus. Really? Is it true? What if God took away your video games? What if he took away your physical ability to sing? What if God took away friends and all, all lonely? No friends. That means you don't know God. That's a sad fact, isn't it? People who are lonely, the way the world is, and they sit around and say, I have no friends. Look at me. I had 54 friends the other day. Now that I came to Christ, I have zero friends. No one to talk to. No one wants to come to my house. What am I going to do? We laugh, but you know what? Isn't that the truth? We start thinking, where have all my friends gone? Guess what? That's the Christian life. Until God brings new friends. Amen? God will never leave us in a vacuum. There's a family to belong to. The family may not be perfect because everybody's growing. But you know what? The Spirit of God is in the body. It's the body of Christ. So that body will keep maturing. And the beauty is we'll grow to love God together. We grow to have faith in God together. We grow to see mountains come down together. Hallelujah. We grow to see victories after victories together. There's nothing greater than that. But I've got to make a choice. Am I going to be with God and his people? Or am I going to be with the devil and his people? Am I going to love God or love myself? Am I going to say every time God in his grace, when millions have died and gone to hell, and he talks to you like today and says, I love you, I want to get close to you. Lord, not yet, I want to do some other things. And I know that I'm not right. So if I'm not right, I'm not coming to you. Because I know, I just heard that I have to be right. You know what the children of Israel said? When the prophets said how to get right, they said, no, we can't do it. When God says, ask for a sign, I'll do something. No, we don't want to test you. You see that satanic kind of reasoning? We need to just say, Lord, I put my hand over my mouth. I don't even know what's right. I don't even know myself. People, some of these stars, they have millions. They're, they've lost their minds. They're on top of, their, of the world, but it's so sad. But you see a repeat every time. They have money. They, have, they are internationally known. Music and athletics and movies. They're losing their minds. Because they're going after the drugs, going after relationships and plastic surgery and taking a ride over here. All of a sudden they become Hare Krishna, you know. They change religions and they're lost. That means all that money only dug a deeper pit for them. All the people that said, I know him, he's a household name. So what? Is your name known in heaven? That's what matters. Because in eternity, all those household names will be well-known in hell. We don't want to be there. All these stars you see, they're not stars. They're swine. 
because they don't want the truth. We need to understand, I'm not part of that crowd anymore. God has called me with a peculiar, that means a very special calling. God is communicating today. He loves us, so he says, ask, I'll give it to you. Seek and you will find. Knock, it will be open to you. What do you want? Lord, I want you. That's the best prayer we can pray. Lord, I want you. I want you, Lord. I want to love you, Lord. I want to walk with you, Lord. I want to talk the words you want me to speak because I know that's where life is. I want to think the way you want me to think because I know that's truth. Lord, it won't be a chore anymore to live the Christian life. It will become natural, supernaturally. Supernaturally, it will become natural. Where I won't even think about it, but you know what? The very things I used to love will become an abomination to me. And God is not saying give up certain things that are neutral, such as sports and, you know, whatever else. That It's not evil, but even with that, can I say I love God more than this? If not, then I'm not in a good place. But God says, when the storms come, when the rain comes on that house, when the wind beats up against that house, the one who's heard all these words of mine and does them, they're going to stand when everybody else falls. We want to stand with God. In the midst of this, he talks about the false prophets. You know what they say? Jesus loves you. He understands you when you're doing drugs. When you're watching things and pornography, he understands that. You know what? Men are wired this way. Christian psychologists taught by Satan masquerading as sheep. Using pseudoscience, false science, injecting into the crowd. You know why? The crowd loves it. Give them what they came for, right? It's a show. They want to hear that I'm, that's why I'm struggling because I'm a man. Well, I'm at this stage in this age where, you know, you know, I, recently there was a divorce and, you know, well, it's a vacuum in and it's all satanic reasoning because even non-believers, unbelievers know how to keep themselves in many of those contexts. They're not struggling. We need to understand there will be false prophets there, many today. They stand on or at the pulpits. They come through the radio. They mix in entertainment. They have 30,000 at church sometimes. Sometimes they have three people. We don't necessarily gauge by the size of the crowd, but more often than not, when there's a big crowd, more often than not, not every time, but more often than not, when there's a big crowd, you can be sure the truth is not being preached. They have a Bible, and they will speak things from the Scriptures, but there will be a very sinister twist to it all the time. Such as, David was probably struggling with homosexuality. Horrible tantamount to blasphemy because he was a man filled with the Spirit of God. Why? Because he was close to Jonathan, his friend. And, and there was a statement made that, isn't your love better than the love of women? What is he talking about? He's talking about a pure, loyal devotion that this man will stand with me through thick and thin where my own wife, Saul's daughter, deserted me because I love God. She spoke against me. How they can twist it. I've literally heard this from a big, well-known preacher. And many things, many things. So we need to understand that when people speak, 
and they are trying to tell people Jesus loves you and he understands what you're going through when the people's hands are dirty and their hearts are wrong and nobody's telling them you've got to stop this or you're not going to make it to heaven. One moment you die and if they should say, well, I don't care. You know, life hasn't been good to me anyway. And, and it can't get any worse than this. It's a million times infinitely worse than the worst thing we ever experienced. That's what hell is. But when the truth comes, we're aware of that, that I can't play with this. We've got to change. God's good news is that the Christian can live an abundant life where you don't need anything. Anything. You can get to a point where you don't have a particular music going on in the background. These are distractions sometimes. I'm not talking about worship music that is anointed, but things just for noise. You know why? Because the conscience has trouble. God understands that. He loves us. He looks at the broken parts of us. He will work with us, but let us not keep him at arm's length anymore. Let's say, Lord, I want to go deeper. I want to go further, Lord. I want to be able to just be still, no one talking, no music, nothing in front of me, just me and the Lord. That's where we experience the presence of God. Because the Lord said he won't compete with anything else. So no wonder when there are many, many Christians that they say, I'm trying to get connected to God. And surveys have gone across this nation. Pastors have given surveys to the congregations. And you know what? They say, one thing we really want, Pastor, is for you to teach us how to pray. This after 15, 20, 30 years. Because we don't seem to get to connect with God. This is the congregation, some of them who have actually been there for a long time. Can you imagine that? And the pastor is giving this talk because they have this nationwide program surveying people, and he has no shame. Except to say, we can do better in this area. Look at the chart and PowerPoint, and other churches are trying this. We should know. Beware of false prophets. Beware of people who come to you. They have this, this feeling of, you know, I need to feel people's approval. My God, if the pastor has that, what's going to become of the congregation? We need to say, I don't care what anybody thinks. I want to please the Lord. I want to please the Lord. And when I want to please the Lord, God will begin to move in. You know what? Feelings will follow faith. Faith will make us open the book again. In a new way. Have you ever had that? It's happened to me through the course of my Christian life. Where all of a sudden it was, Lord... I want to put away everything that I felt and thought. I want to open it up again, brand new. And every word, every syllable. Can you imagine the crowd? 5,000, 10,000, all around this place, all down Main Street. One person talking, Jesus Christ. Thousands. And they're listening, and he's lifting up his voice. And every syllable that he's speaking, they're catching they don't have recordings. They don't have anything. They're just hearing it. But they're, they're silent enough that he can speak, even with the children present. The people were listening. God's presence was working. And you know what? Among that crowd, the ones who said, Lord, can you tell us some more? They could have been on the worst side of town. God said, come closer. So the desire is very important. Ask, you will receive Seek, you will find. Knock, and it will be open to you. If you say, Lord, one thing I want more than anything else is to really love you 
more than anything else. I want to be able to say, who do I have in heaven but you, Lord? I'm not there to see the angels or Moses or Abraham. I'm there to see you. I'm not even there to see my relatives. I'm there to see you, Lord. And on earth, while I live here, there is no one I desire but you. Whether a person's married or single, doesn't make a difference. The heart that's after God would know how to put everything under God. Hallelujah. Everything comes under the Lord. What does that translate into? Lord, I want the joy of pleasing you. Make me a man, make me a woman who's actually walking uprightly in your sight. Not in the sight of the congregation or Christian people or my aunt or my uncle or other people or preachers. They're not my judge. God is going to judge me one day. At that time, if God can say of me, you are pretending for a while, you are hypocritical, you are quick to point out other people's faults, but very slow to look at yourself, and sometimes you never even looked at yourself. But there came a change when you saw yourself as less than a worm, as dust, and you no longer had other people in the picture when you talked about God or talked about life. It was just you and God. And at that point, God will say, started your real new Christian life. That's the day you started to please me and you spent time going through the Word to check if you're doing what I told you to do. That's a revolution because it's not just that now I'm doing God's will and I'm in the right. God will begin to move through you to save souls. Isn't that exciting? What should we live for? If not for the salvation of other people. More than anything else. And then people who are sick, God can use your hands and your prayers to give them a breakthrough when nobody else, including doctors, could. I mean, what, can you, what price can you put on that? A person who is mentally tormented, physically afflicted, their family is dying, there's disease ravaging, their house is broken down, they don't have money, they're oppressed. If you're able to go there, not with a fancy lecture or some pep talk, you know, hang in there, I've been there too, and, but you're able to go there and say, God can change everything around, I mean everything, hallelujah. I'm going to pray for you. God's going to do it. That's worth more than all of the presidents coming to that person's door. All the friends from childhood and all those loyal people. Wouldn't you want to be that person? To be in favor with God, in the fear of God, to be walking with God, really loving God, having an upright walk, working righteousness and speaking the truth in your heart, having clean hands and a pure heart. Oh, what a beautiful life. We need to keep hearing this. Because if not, we'll be hearing Facebook and family and friends and so many different things. Anything can become an abomination. Exercise can become an abomination to God. Why? Because we're into looking good and feeling good rather than being good. Money can become an abomination. The job can become an abomination. School and degrees... All these things can become utterly, the word abomination means disgusting to God. Why? Because they have crept in and crowded God out. 
But the moment I say, Lord, I can't breathe without you. Forget about all this. I want you. You know what God will do? He'll begin to build everything up step by step. In a beautiful way. Where you'll be a city set on a hill that cannot be hid. There'll be a contrast. There'll be a difference God will show. That I'm with you. And you'll become a lamp that's set on a stand. Giving light to all that are in the house. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Culminating with those verses as we close in Matthew 7, after the Beatitudes and the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 and 6, at the end of chapter 7, Jesus gives the final conclusion. He said, I'll tell you what, all these things you've been hearing me say, if you simply hear and you don't start doing what I told you to do, storms will come, the winds will blow, floods will rise up, it's going to bring you down one day. One day you're going to come down and it's going to be a terrible point of no return. The Lord said it emphatically. The same Lord who said, ask, I'm willing to give. I'll give you. I love you. I'll bless you. But I'm warning you, don't take me for granted. Don't despise what I'm saying. If you don't practice what I've told you to do. In Matthew 5 it talks about love. Don't be angry. Don't murder. Don't commit adultery. All these things. And here, don't judge unjustly. They matter to God. All these are being recorded. But today I can say, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm wrong. I've been wrong. I can't go back and change the past. But Lord, I know you can cleanse me so I can live right. I want to be honest, Lord. A good tree doesn't bear bad fruit. The word here in this version is sound tree. That means a wholesome, healthy tree, not a rotten, decrepit tree that brings forth rotten fruit. I want to be a good tree, Lord. Yes, I want this in my life. I want that blessing. Lord, wouldn't it be wonderful if you could cover this area in my life and bring those people? You know what? First and foremost, Jesus would take care of your soul. My number one responsibility is to make sure my soul is right in the sight of God. And if we say, Lord, help me, God will help you. But he says, if you do what I tell you to do, if you begin to say, let me go back to the Sermon on the Mount. Am I a poor person in the Spirit? Or am I, a proud, am I a proud person? Do the words that I speak and the tone that I speak and the look that I give, does it speak of humility the way Jesus was? Or is this something proud? I don't want that. I can't be that way. I'm not blessed if I'm cursed. Deuteronomy 28 talks about blessings and curses. So does Matthew 5 to 7. Blessed are the poor in spirit, the ones who are like beggars, who know, I don't have anything to say of myself before God. I put my hand in my mouth, Father, please touch me, forgive me, and change me. That's how we come to God when you're poor in spirit. Notice this, if he says blessed, that means the opposite is true. Cursed are those who are not poor in spirit, who are not humble before God. Blessed are those who mourn, that means cursed are those who don't mourn. More in what way? They're not really sorry for what they've done. They always try to defend themselves and try to pit themselves against others and I'm better and you don't know what I'm going through. Wait a minute. The bottom line is, did you do something God said not to do? Then you're wrong. doesn't matter the context and who said what and how you're better. Than... No issue. Because when I go before God, no one's coming with me. It's going to be me and the Lord and all of this Hollywood stuff and videos where you see people dressed up in white, you know, they died, they were killed, 
and they make a video out of it, and they put past images, and they show them in clouds with angels and all that, they're burning in hell. Because that's all fake. But we need to know, one day there'll be a real moment with God. Oh, it should make you fear in a good way. Blessed are the pure in heart. For they shall see God. That means if you're not pure in heart, you're cursed. You're not going to see God, which means you're going to see the devil. And so on. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. They're hungry. The way we get hungry when you pass by a fast food restaurant, you haven't eaten in a while and you smell that, the aroma, you know, whatever they put there. All designed to draw you in there. You can just feel the juices flowing and I have to eat. More than anything, I've got to eat because I'm, I'm running out of fuel. And, and you know what? It affects my mood and it could, all those things. But God says more than that. Are you hungry for the word, the truth, the righteousness? Are you thirsty more than water when you're so thirsty? That is the group of people who are blessed. Which means the person who's not hungry for God and thirsty for God is cursed. They're cursed. Why? Because that means they don't want God. And nobody's in heaven who doesn't want God first. And so on, we can apply these things. God has said we're blessed people. If you're born again, you have Jesus with you. Jesus in you. If you are seeking after God, as I said, we're in stages. Don't get discouraged. As there was a teenager going on the buses in Brooklyn and the city, going to school and night school and then college. And I had the word and I had people that I was giving the word to young people, young men. But there were a lot of questions within me. I was struggling because, first of all, I was exposed to false doctrine. People are always saying, you're good, you're doing good, you're better than so many people. And they didn't tell me that, you know what, you need to check deeper. Are you obeying? Bottom line. I hardly heard anybody say that. They didn't speak the truth. And so because I had that, that offset the things I did see in the scripture. But you know what? I, God helped me to stay with him. And the more I stayed with him, the more God showed me. These preachers are not true. And then I started to look for new preachers. I literally prayed different times in my adolescence. I said, Lord, take me higher. Take me deeper. Show me people who really love you and walk with you, Lord. Ah, what a prayer. God put it in my heart. Now, we have that in our midst. We have God's Spirit here working powerfully. Now, what do you do with it? Now, will you say, this much or no more? Or will I say, Lord, thank you. What I have here is what people don't have in so many places. I'm going to go all in, Lord. I'm going to dive in. I want to be hungry and thirsty for you, Lord. I want to grow, Lord. No more hindrance, Lord. I want to love you. I want to be blessed. Glory be to God. God confirmed that I should pray today. I'm seeking God, actually. Just a quick prayer based on God's word. Whoever's sick, anoint you with oil. I told the Lord, I don't want to do this if you don't want me to do it. It's not part of a, 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 a protocol. But as I walked in here, God confirmed it. And so we're going to pray. The word of God that we've heard, Purchase it, buy it, don't sell it. Hold it fast. Don't give it to the dogs or to the swine. You hold it and say, Lord, I've got to see a hundredfold crop coming out of this. 
I want to see fruit in my life, Jesus. Oh, I've come a long way, but it's not long enough. And I thank you for what you've done, Lord. I want to go further. Oh, make me a person full of joy. There's room to grow. Amen? But the first thing is, I can't expect to grow in stages if I'm still connected with abomination. I've got to get out of my life. The moment we say, Lord, these things you've identified, and the more closer I get to you, you're showing me, I don't want any part of it, God will say, you see this ladder? I'm going to get you to the top. There's a next step for you that I have planned for you. Oh, hallelujah. Can we stand up? There's a next step I have for you. There is a next step of victory I have for you. I have it for you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. How frustrating it is for people who don't have that hope and that vision that God has a next step. But as I said, the first thing is we need to be humble. If we're not humble, that means the devil's sitting inside of us. Well, the moment we say, get out of here, devil, in Jesus' name, I'm going to humble myself and let God sit on the throne of my heart, things will begin to change. We'll begin to make progress that we really longed for. Oh, take the whole world, but give me Jesus. Let's sing that. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Sing it if you mean it. So consider whether you really want nothing to do with the world. The Bible says this, crucified unto the world. That means the person on a cross, nailed to a cross, that's you and me. Nailed to a cross. Everybody's watching. I have no more connection with the world. I can't do anything because I'm crucified. No connection, no parties to go to, no friends to talk to, everything is gone because now I'm crucified with Christ. There's a spiritual separation that will cause me to get that I've always wanted to live. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! How many of you have tasted victory? You have a taste of heaven. Hallelujah! There's nothing compared to that. Nothing in this world. Nothing. No pleasure. No fame. Nothing. When you know that God is with you. Hallelujah. Nothing greater. Oh, take the whole world, but give me Jesus. Oh, take the whole world, but give me Jesus. Oh, take the whole world, but give me Jesus. No turning back, no turning back.